from the zucchini-filled studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another Happy Harvest episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. When should you dig up your potatoes? When should you taste your tomatoes, secure your sweet corn? I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and on today's show, we'll reveal exactly when and how to pick your produce so that your harvest is a happy one. Plus, endlessly elusive answers to your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and terrifically tremulous testifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here at Cats and Kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you having the best tasting garden on the block right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners. School bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to another fabulous episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television, right here at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Later on, we're finally going to have a question of the week that fits with the season. We're going to help you harvest everything your garden is producing just at the right time. We're also going to take lots of your fabulous phone calls, but first I have to give a shout out and a thank you to Gail Fabin of Sicklersville, New Jersey. Go in close on Ducky, boys, there in the control room. Um, Gail makes masks for first responders. She thought Ducky's ill-fitting mask was inappropriate for the show. So she gave Ducky a mask that fits his beak perfectly. She was also very kind and telling me that she thinks I'm one of the people helping people out there stay sane during this pandemic. I got to say, Gail, it's the first time I've been accused of anything like that. But thank you and thank all the other people who have been saying really nice things about the show continuing um, through this pandemic. Okay, enough self-congratulations. Thank you again, Gail. Ducky is very comfortable now. We're going to hop right to your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Bethany, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi. Hello, Bethany. How you doing? I'm doing as well as can be expected these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all of us, you know, as long as we don't run out of toilet paper, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where is Bethany? I am in Roxborough, Philadelphia. I know Roxborough, the uh, Roxborough Manny Young. Uh, who who thought it was a good idea to build on a steep hill? Um, I don't get that. I don't know, but I'm on the top of it, so I'll take it. Okay. All right. What can we do for Bethany up on top? So we have um, a pretty small yard, but we had always planned to turn it into mostly garden. So my husband and I bought our house in September of 2019. And so this is our first growing season here. Mm -hmm. So um, we had started back in February, sort of preparing some garden plots. And uh, we had gotten our soil tested uh, in the fall. Uh. And there were slightly elevated levels of lead, like just over 400. So it was a little bit, you know, not great for growing in and, and whatever. So we decided we were going to remove at least like the top 12 inches of any places that we were going to grow and put in, uh, you know, compost. So we had done some research, heard from other gardeners in the Philly area that the free leaf, screened leaf compost from the Philadelphia Parks Department was good quality. And on their website, it says they periodically test, you know, their screened leaf compost. So I yes. felt good about it. So we started picking that up in small batches. It's free for Philadelphia residents in small batches mm -hmm. um, and putting that in for our side plots. That was great. Then the pandemic hit. The parks department shut down. I freaked out because I had all these seedlings, but we still hadn't prepared all the plots yet. Mm -hmm. So I started asking around, and uh, a neighbor pointed me towards Springfield um, Township, which is not that far outside of Philly. And right. they also have municipal you know, yard and leaf 
compost. Mm -hmm. But theirs is like no contact. It literally is just piles of compost that they have sitting outside. Yes. And so I went over and picked some up, right? I didn't think it looked as good as the Philly compost, but it didn't look terrible. Like it was still black, crumbly, you know, sort of compost. They had theirs in three piles. One was definitely mulch. I didn't touch that. That Mm -hmm. was like clearly not decomposed. One was like in the middle where it was mostly soil and still had like a few, you know, remnants of like some wood chips, you know, kind of pieces of bark or something like that. But it was mostly decomposed. And the the first pile that was all decomposed was like, you know, people had ransacked it. I mean, there was like almost nothing left Uh in that. So I kind of ended up getting more of the middle and less of the, you know, the really decomposed stuff. But I figured, well, I'm kind of filling it in anyway. If I can try to save the real decomposed stuff for the top layers, maybe I can fill in underneath. My problem is that the things that are growing in that Springfield Township compost are growing very poorly. Mm-hmm. And the things in the Philly compost are growing terrifically. Yeah. We also have a community garden plot that had compost that was made on site at the community garden Good. that we used for that. And everything is growing beautifully over there. So there's okay. a distinct difference. Yeah. Okay. So let me take you back to the beginning. Did okay. you actually remove soil? Yes. What did yeah, you we dug down and what did you do with it? So we redistributed it in different areas of our yard and we created one area that we call the hill and we planted ground cover flowers okay. over that and sort of fenced it off a little not with like a I real wish, tall fence. I but wish a little low one. I wish you had called first. Uh-huh. Um, because the danger of lead contaminated soil is not so much plants picking up the lead. Lead is a pretty inert element. Um, Uh The danger is working in the soil. Oh, we use gloves, and we don't let the kids play in it or anything. Well, a lot of it is inhaled. Oh, okay. As you disturb the soil. That's why when I tell people to make raised beds, I tell them Mm. just get, get rid of any grass you have there, scalp it down, put a layer of cardboard down, put your raised bed frames down, and then fill the beds with nothing but clean soil, a mixture of compost, topsoil, and perlite. That way, okay. that way you don't disturb the lead soil underneath. You've kind of uh, encased it off. So, okay. Um, so don't... Now we know for the future. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and are you, are you growing a flat earth garden? Yes. Okay. Well, no, one of them, one bed in the back is raised. And for that one, we built it up and we didn't dig down, like we didn't dig out soil from that so much. We just sort of filled in on top. Yeah, and it, wasn't it that easier? Raised. Yeah, that was, that was easier. Okay, so I'm familiar with the Fairmount Park compost. It's very good quality and there's no chance that grass clippings were mixed into there. When you, right. when you get to local compost... Yeah, mm-hmm. I've only been doing this for 35 years. I'll get it right one of these <laughs> days. Um, if they accept grass clippings at the compost site, there is a good chance that you have persistent herbicide residues coming from those treated grass clippings. See, so, that was my concern. But if we, So their old website back in March when I checked their website wasn't really very clear. Mm-hmm. They've updated their website in the past couple of months, and yeah. it's very clear now on that website that they don't take grass clippings of any kind. I would presume that was always their policy. I, it just wasn't that clear on their old version of their website. I don't know. I mean, you, but I don't know. your I plants are know. showing signs of herbicide contamination. Okay, so what, if it's uh, not growing well is Yes, a it, sign that's of, exactly. Okay. When, uh, when people have access to bulk compost, um, first, you want to do the duct test. Uh, does it feel like good compost? Does it smell like good compost? Does it look like good compost? And if it passes those three tests, you bring home a five-gallon bucket, and you fill just basic plant containers, two plant containers. In one, you don't plant anything. In the other, okay. you plant some of the freshest seeds you have, especially if they're pea or bean seeds, because they're very okay. susceptible to even low levels of herbicides. Then then you water each pot for 10 days to two weeks. If nothing grows in the so-called naked pot, then you know the compost is weed-free. If the plants grow up stunted and off color and just don't seem right in the the planted container, 
then you know there's herbicide residues in there and you want to take a pass on that. Okay, so if so if ours have herbicide residue or it seems like it, should we just like rip everything out of like just take those plants out and not eat anything? From no, them? no, no, like, no. Don't like don't that? worry don't worry okay. about the eating. What's what's okay. what's in the bad compost? What plants? Oh, like everything. I mean we've got we've got tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, um, beets, potatoes, corn. I mean like they're all doing something. Yeah. They're growing. And I did put more so I got more Philly compost. So that Good. reopened in May. Okay. So I started putting that around the bases of the plants. Good. Which really did perk them up. Yeah. So and they're it, doing by better. the way, that is the correct way to apply compost too. You don't keep mixing it in. You put okay. it on the surface. That way, every time it rains, your plants get a hit of compost tea. So you're doing the right thing here. Um, I like to grow my peppers in containers. They're, per okay. they're perfect pot plants, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go the next mile and you got a little room in your house, you can bring pepper plants in for the winter, keep them under lights, and they will live for many years if they uh, avoid being too chilled. Uh, they're perennials in their native climb. They live for 20, 30 years. Oh, okay. So, and I do have a few in pots and some in the in the beds. So and if you're and if you're newbie gardens, I know right away the whole thing is overplanted. There's too many plants in there. Yeah, I mean we did we have a lot of space. I mean it's not a huge yard, but we've got things fairly well spaced out. There's like probably 12 inches between most of the plants. Yeah. We just have no yard left. We just have Good, plants. good. That's a good yard. <laughs> so that, yeah, I think you're doing the right thing. Keep adding the good compost. Uh, okay. Send an email to that township and tell them what your experience was and ask them if they have had their finished compost tested, but it would have to be down to the parts per billion level. Um, okay. These things are so powerful, uh, they might not, even show up at the parts per million, but they can still stunt or kill plants. Okay. So you're, you're saying you're on that the, it's okay to eat them, though? Like, it, we're more concerned about handling the soil that might have the pesticides in it, or just, like, it's this year, don't worry about it so much, but just keep using the Philly compost from now on? Keep using the Philly compost to strengthen the plants. I would eat the produce on, you know, unless, you know, the plants don't produce well, and then I might be leery of it. But over, over the fall and in the spring, I want you to build raised beds out there mm -hmm. and raise them even higher now and then do that thing with the cardboard and everything like that and you know, sanction off this soil as well. But uh, okay. I like people to do the bulk compost test before they bring home like uh, an acre of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you. That was very helpful. All right. Well, good luck to you. Joe, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thank you, Mike. How are you doing? I am just ducky, Joe. <laughs> and ducky is especially ducky now that he's got his new mask, which looks like a cowboy bandana or something a bank robber would wear. So maybe that's appropriate for the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. And where is Joe doing pretty good? I'm in Lower Milford, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. I live in Upper Milford. We can meet in uh, the middle at Middle Milford. <laughs> you know. <laughs> what can we do you for, sir? Uh, well, I planted for the first time. I planted potatoes this year. Yeah. And I I used rustic potatoes that had spuds on them. Right. So I cut them and I left spuds, uh, two or three spuds on each piece. Right. And I let them dry out and I planted them. Okay. And they, and they came up really nice, really nice. Gotcha. But they never still haven't flowered. And I heard somewhere online that that plant could be poisonous. They don't flower. No, 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 no. Uh, it's funny because uh, in the question of the week, we have uh, from someone else a, a completely, um, almost exactly the same as you, but it's, it's from a different person. Um, now, um, when you talk about spuds, that's what we typically call the eyes of the, the eyes, potato. Right. Because spud, I've always thought, was a synonym for the potato itself, for the actual tuber. Um, most of the time, potatoes will flower. Sometimes they won't. I don't believe it really means anything. You know, because if they do flower, yeah. you're supposed to remove those flowers so you don't get the seed heads on top, so you can okay. get bigger potatoes. The only time 
that potatoes are toxic is if they're not buried deep enough or if they work their way up in the soil and the actual, quote, new potatoes, the potatoes that are forming for this season, yeah. are, are exposed to sunlight. If that happens, parts of the potato will turn green. And that green area is a sign that that is a toxic chemical that's formed in there because oh. potatoes are underground plants. They're never supposed to be exposed to the sun. Matter of fact, oh. even in supermarkets, they should not be exposed to the indoor lighting. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of people don't pay attention. But if you do dig up a potato and it has a green area on it, just cut it off. And if um, the whole potato is green or more than half of it is green, you got to throw that in your compost. And just, okay. just remember next year to pile lots of mulch around the plants when they're getting nice and big to make sure that the underground potatoes are not being exposed to sunlight. Oh, okay, good. And, you know, russet potatoes are okay to make french fries, but to me they are the least interesting potatoes. I would urge you next year to go online or look at seed catalogs and order some certified seed potatoes that are red or golden, or there's one called, I believe it's rose gold, that is a combination of both. I think the skin is red and the inside is buttery yellow. I mean, once you start ordering real potatoes, your, your world will just expand like nobody's business. And, okay. All right. Uh, thank you for taking my question. Well, thank you, because I know a lot of people out there are going to be digging up potatoes with a little bit of green on them, and now they're going to know what to do. Very important. Okay, great, great. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mark. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and once again remind you all that seeds and plants are in short supply this panic-demic season. So if you want to make sure you have a good supply of cool weather crop seeds like lettuce, spinach, and kale, start looking for them kind of now, but don't go seed searching just yet because we'll be right back with important information about happy harvesting and more of your happy phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. <laughs> Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, here with Ducky, and we're going to bring you lots of information about how to specifically harvest all the wonderful crops you've been growing this summer. We're also going to take more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Alice, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am just Ducky. Thanks for asking, Alice. Ducky always likes you to say things like that. Um, how are you? I am very well, thank you. I'm very well here on Long Beach Island. On Long Beach Island. And right. I can't wait to get back in the ocean. <laughs> Exactly. It's a little cold right now, the water, but the, the beach itself is warm, so that's great. I was going to say, sometimes when it's in the 90s out, you don't mind the cold water. What's tough, no. what's tough right. at the end of the season is when you go into this beautiful warm water and you come out into a chilly wind. Yes, yes, agreed. But hopefully the water will warm up by August, so that'll be great. September is my favorite time to go in the ocean on the uh, Jersey Shore. Agreed. 
Agreed. There's, the crowds have gone and the water is warm. Oh, it's perfect then. All right, let's talk plants. What can we do you for? I have a large pink rose bush, very okay. large. It's probably six foot tall. And I've had it for probably 15 years. Mm -hmm. And every year it produces these beautiful pink roses. Mm -hmm. But this year, at the bottom, it's only on one side. It's producing red roses and a different variety. It's not the same rose. Okay. All right. I'm curious what happened. Well, you sent me an email. Um, I did. With a pick, this plant is enormous. How many blooms yeah. do you have on that thing? Oh, a lot. I, I cut them from my neighbors. Okay. So there are two basic possibilities here. Um, one, every year we get a question, why did my roses change color? And the answer is that person had a grafted rose. Um, uh, the top part of the plant contained the rose that they wanted to grow, and that was spliced on to a rootstock that was especially disease-resistant or, or conveyed some other benefit. Sure. And when people pile mulch up against the side of the rose or it just sinks down in the ground and the graft gets covered, then the rootstock will send up a completely different color rose. Now, I'm used to hearing things coming up like multiflora rose and stuff like that, but I did do a little research, and there are some rootstocks that produce um, beautiful red roses. And again, it would be an entirely different variety. Yes. The so other... My, my, I get, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go no, you, uh, you go ahead. No, I, I want to hear the second choice. <laughs> The second possibility, which has never happened to me with roses, but it happened to me with my peonies, is that the roses were visited by bees. The bees visited other roses in your neighborhood um, and at the end of kept pollinating, cross-pollinating the flowers. And at the end of the season, um, either you didn't cut off the hips or you did and you dropped them on the ground, or you know they just fell off at frost or something like that. But rose hips contain lots of little seeds. And it's quite possible that those seeds over time would germinate, and it might take years for the plant to produce its first flush of roses. But the other possibility is there's a baby plant coming up right next to the mother plant. How would I decide which option? Get down, get down on your hands and knees, or okay. if you're a smarty, tape a mirror to a underside of a hoe and use it to examine the bottom of the plant carefully, and then have some, do you have mulch up against the rose? I do not. Okay. Have you, uh, look for the graft. The graft will be a, um, you know, it'll be it'll be obvious. It's it's a little bulge, and if you can, without damaging, and roses are actually pretty hard to damage, scrape away a bit of the soil at the bottom of the plant, and examine like that foot, where it comes in and out of the soil, and look sure. look for that bulge. If the bulge is underground, then you've got two roses blooming from the same plant. Otherwise, you would get down there. And you would see, because you've said that the roses, the red roses, are only on one side. Right. So that makes the job easier. I would just get down there and examine it carefully. Or again, here's a great use for a mirror. Um, see if you can see another little trunk coming up out of the ground. Oh, okay. Now, there, is there any, there's no possibility that this will change over to a red rose, right? Well, actually, if it is a problem with a graft being buried underground, eventually that could happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, That's disappointing because I'd like to keep it pink. Well, if it sounds like you have a very lush, healthy rose bush. So I would think if it is the graft issue and you uncover the graft, and now, of course, you'll be aware to make sure that that graft stays out in the open air, 
I would think that the red roses would eventually disappear. Oh, okay, that's good news. But yes, if it is a graft problem and the top of the plant is slowly dying, which didn't appear to be the case in the picture, um, no. it, the, the red rose would take over. I see, okay. Well, and, thank you very much. And, I, I love your show. And you know, this is not a bad time of year to take cuttings from your pink rose. If you're worried about anything at all, go to our website, go to youbetyourgarden.org, click on the link that says answers to all your garden questions, and in the search box, type in rooting roses. This would be the perfect time of year to take some cuttings and make new plants. Oh, perfect. I didn't think about that, so that's a great idea. And again, taking them from the top of the plant, guaranteed, you would get the, uh, the pink roses. Oh, great. Well, this is great news. Thank you so much for taking my call, and thank you for your show. Oh, thank you so much. I, I hope you'll uh, email me when you figure out which it was. I will do that, Mike. Thanks so much. I'm very curious here. All right, thank you, and have <laughs> a great season. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right, that number to call, 833-727-9588. Robin, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Hello, Robin. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I am just ducky. Thank you for asking. Where is Robin good? I'm located in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. Okay, so what's, what's, your, uh, what's your city name or whatever? Oh, Kensington, Maryland. I know Kensington. Okay, very yeah. good. What can we do for Robin in the greater Washington, D.C. area? Well, Mike, I have a problem with weeds, and I think a lot of people do, but I have these grape vines. Oh, wild grape. Wild grape, a wild morning glory, and an abundance of other climbers that take over my shrubs and my fence and anything else that they can get their little claws on. But um, so at the beginning of the season, I try to pull them all, but then they just come right back and it's very hard to manage them. And when it gets really hot out, I just give up because yeah, of course. it's too hot to go out there and pull them. So I need a way to, I would like to eradicate them or mm -hmm. at least be able yeah. to Good luck with that. not have so many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, when you say wild morning glory, you mean bindweed with the white flowers? Yes, vines. Oh, bindweed is one of the absolute worst. Um, the wild grape isn't as bad. But boy, I tell you, in the woods, it, it can get to be like a Tarzan vine out there. Um, are you a budding woods or anything like that? No, well, we're close to Rock Creek Park. Oh, but sure. I don't, have, I, don't have that many, I don't really have any trees in my yard at this moment. And the vines are intertwined with your wanted plants. Yes, yeah. and my fence. And your fence. What kind of a fence is it? Um, it's just, um, a picket fence, okay. so they're, they're able to wrap themselves around the little, uh, pickets, I guess. Okay, so, um, my best, well, and the fence, anything you do to the vines is not going to hurt wanted plants, right? No. Okay, so with the fence, I would suggest, um, over the winter, you, you tear out what grew over the summer. In the spring you let the vine grow for a little bit and either pull it or trim it off at the base. And then during a dry time, I would soak the area with regular strength white vinegar. You know, just mm. the, the, the gallon or half gallon of 5% white vinegar. And I would do that two or three times, once a week, all down at the fence line and then do you think you could have access to arborist wood chips? Not that trashy dyed mulch, but just regular... Arborist wood chips? Yes. In other words, when they cut down a tree or trim a tree, the, um, the trimmings, oh. that haven't, they haven't been dyed or treated, and there's no diseased wood in there. 
Um, perhaps. I might be able to find some. Because that would be the best. After you've done three or four runs of this vinegar, then I would, uh, I would cover that area with maybe even four inches of four arbor inches. arborist wood chips, unpainted, undyed, and just leave that there for a couple of seasons, and that should smother those vines. Now, how big an area are we talking about with your wanted plants? Well, um, it's about, gosh, 20 feet, 20 to 25 feet long, and then maybe uh, two to three feet out from a fence line. Okay, so not impossible. No. So what we're going to do here is, again, in the spring, we're going to pull like mad, maybe have a pulling party. I've suggested this before. You know, put out the grill, get a couple cases right, of right. really good beer, soak the area well, and then have your pulling party members pull slowly. That's one of the secrets. Slowly. Ah. That way you'll get the whole root out of the ground. And then I want you to be prepared with a natural herbicide whose active ingredient is iron. Um, huh. Gardens Alive sells this as Iron X, but I've also seen uh, these herbicides in better garden centers around the country. And as you know, I know the D.C. area very well, so you've got some excellent garden centers still standing, and they're going to have these iron-based herbicides. So then after that, instead of pulling, what you want to do is come out every week and look for sprouts, soak the sprouts with the iron-based herbicide, and it will kill that plant, but it won't harm the shrubs or flowers that they're growing oh. next to. But you have to have a good eye. You know, you want to just soak the leaves of the weed and try to avoid the leaves of the other plant. It's a contact herbicide. Yeah, so, yeah, the plants in that area, they're kind of spaced out, and what was their previously <laughs> what, what, has what kind does of that died mean? off. They're spaced out. They went to too many Grateful Dead and Pink Floyd concerts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too much weed. <laughs> hey, man, yeah, we got lots of weed here. Yeah, they, there's just like three remaining azaleas, and they're spaced like five feet apart. Mm -hmm. Everything else is weeds. Oh, okay. Um, you know, one of the options is it, it, your only wanted plant is three azaleas? Yeah, I, you know, years ago we had done some construction to the house, and so they put a uh, sod down throughout the uh, lot. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, we asked them to build, um, you know, we had camellias, azaleas, and a few other things. But um, they kind of died off because the weeds got so bad. Okay. Well, that's, that's different. Okay. So um, what I'm going to suggest is uh, you wait till the azaleas finish blooming next spring. And then you dig them up and either give them to a friend or move them somewhere else uh, where they're going to be happy. And then do the same thing I suggested. Uh, really have your friends pull these weeds, try to slowly get all the roots out of the ground, soak the area with white vinegar three, four weekends in a row, then cover it with wood chips. And it will take a couple of years, but now you're not working. You're not doing the same thing constantly. And after a while, the wood chips will even turn into fairly good compost. And then you can replant that area. Just be careful. Have that iron-based herbicide ready. And if you see a sprout, you know, you know to get rid of it right away. Right. Now let me ask you about wood chips. We're concerned about termites. No, no, no. So, the termites get into your house when there is covered ground next to the foundation. If you have wood chips somewhere on your property, that's not going to interest. You only have subterranean termites where you are. And if you mulch right up to the side of the house, if you have stones or anything right up to the side of the house, that allows them to get 
to your house underground without coming above ground. That's how termites get in the house. Oh, okay. And All that's, right. that's another subject. But if you call us back next week, I'll tell you about a great way to prevent termites. Okay, that sounds great. I will. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. All right, you take care. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and once again remind you that seeds and plants are in really short supply this season. So if you want to make sure you have seeds for cool weather crops like lettuce, spinach, and kale, and that also important planting garlic that we will discuss next week, start looking for supplies now. But just don't go searching just yet because we'll be right back with important information about happy harvesting and more of your happy phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll deliver a ton of information about how you can harvest a ton of perfect produce from your patch at just the right time and in just the right way. But before that, a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Diana, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thank you. How are you doing, Diana? Oh, I'm doing great today, thank you, but my pear tree isn't. Oh, okay. Where is Diana's pear tree? Alexandria, Virginia. All right, what can we do for you, Diana? Oh, my poor pear tree. Um, the, for the past few years, it's been getting uh, rusty leaves, no. but this year, th this year it's absolutely horrible. Now in the spring, beautiful, just filled with beautiful, beautiful blossoms, mm -hmm. just full of it. And then the blossoms go away, the leaves start coming out, and we start getting little baby pears. Mm -hmm. And then the baby pears disappear, and right now the tree looks like it's at the end of fall. The leaves are so full of rust, what I call rust mm -hmm. spots. Um, but the, the, uh, leaves, I, the leaves aren't shriveled or anything like that. No. Mm -mm, okay. Nope. All right. Well, then this is probably, quote, garden variety rust, which I'm kind of surprised. Pear trees are supposed to be bulletproof. Now, when you say the baby pears disappeared, did they drop to the ground or did evil squirrels take them away? Uh they were little babies, and they just disappeared. Now, the, the squ squirrels have gotten the pears in the past year when we've had good pears mm -hmm. on the tree. Um, I like to leave them on to ripen, but most of the time in past years, I haven't been able to get any because the squirrels get them before they have a chance to ripen. Well, aren't pears supposed to be picked somewhat unripe and then ripened up inside? Yeah, but uh, the squirrels get them even before that point. Okay. So um, is the tree mulched? Do you feed it with every, anything? Is it growing out of a lawn? Uh, nope, no mulching. We don't feed it. We've just let it, you know, do its own thing every year. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just getting worse every year. And this yeah. year it's absolutely horrible. I understand. I understand. Um, so there's no mulch underneath? No mulch. Okay. Alexandria, uh, you have a, a number of really high quality um, independent garden centers uh, 
nearby. There's a great one in uh, in Old Town. Um, trying to say Green Street. They took over uh, somebody else's nursery, and they have very high quality materials. So first thing I want you to do is a top dressing of compost around the bottom of the tree. And, okay. <clears throat> and then the next thing is going to sound weird, but it's the perfect solution uh, for what you have. And that is a clay spray. I know Gardens Alive sells it under the brand name Surround. You may be able to find it at retail. Um, I'm not sure about that. But it is a micronized clay spray that you apply with a sprayer. You mix the clay with water as directed. You spray it on the tree. And instead of rust, it looks like a Christmas tree. It gets all flocked, so to speak. But that flocking literally physically presents, prevents disease or insects from affecting the leaves and the fruits. And instead of like interfering with photosynthesis, you tend to get bigger, better quality fruits. Um, as to your evil squirrel problem, normally I would recommend a motion activated sprinkler, but you'd have to position it really carefully because you don't want it washing the surround off of your tree. Um, but if you have a motion activated sprinkler that'll shoot water at the squirrels whenever they you know, disturb the infrared beam, and you have the tree itself protected with this clay spray, and you got compost underneath, I think you'll stop being called rusty. Oh, okay. Now, what time of year do I do that? Um, I, would, I, I would follow the directions. You know, even if you don't get it from Gardens Alive, go to their website and read all the information about Surround. I would think that you would spray it after the flowers fall, as the, okay. as the very baby peaches are developing. You know, it may also repel the evil squirrels because it's, it's not going to look right or taste right, but um, it'll certainly help prevent the rust. Okay, well, that sounds great. Um, those cute evil squirrels. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't be taken in. They are evil. They, their oh. goal is to eradicate mankind. It's just like Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I believe you. All right. And especially, well, especially if you have squirrel problems, don't feed bird seed in the summertime. And please don't ever put out squirrel feeders. That's just like fattening up the enemy. Oh, okay, okay. I'll have to tell my fiancé then to take down his his um, whirly bird thing where you put the uh, corn cobs on it. Oh, my God. You're your own worst <laughs> enemy. <laughs> why, don't okay, you give, well, why doesn't he give them guns as well? Might as well cut <laughs> to the chase here. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. We'll do that. All yep. right. Good luck to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Well, it is time for the question of the week, which we're calling Have a Happy Harvest, How and When to Pick Your Produce. Vina Jane in Coopersburg, PA writes, I planted potatoes this season. The plants grew well, but never flowered. Will the potatoes be safe to eat? I've heard that potatoes can be poisonous. Well, you're talking about one of my favorite crops. I started over 20 pounds of seed potatoes in big grow bags this season, and I am anxiously awaiting the harvest of these fabulous things to grow. And speaking of harvesting, potatoes are a great crop to lead off this article, which is designed to help everybody out there harvest your garden of goodies at the right time. Now, back to potato plants. They will often produce a small batch of colorful flowers when the plants reach a certain size, but not always. And not having flowers doesn't mean anything bad. But if your plants do flower, make a note of that date. A month after that, you can harvest what are called new potatoes, tiny fingerling-like tubers that pack a lot of taste and go for a premium price in stores. But you don't have to harvest them small. 
You can let the plants grow until they start to turn brown and then harvest much larger tubers. Now be sure to dig around a large area. Potatoes can often be found a foot or more away from the parent plant. And potatoes are not poisonous unless the growing tubers are exposed to sunlight and turn green. That green color is your warning that toxins have formed in the colored up areas. If there's just a small patch of green, cut it off and eat the rest of the potato. But if more than half the potato is green, you should compost it. Moving on, Steve in Weathersfield, Connecticut asked about sweet corn. Great topic, Steve, as you want to harvest your tasty treasures when they have the maximum amount of sugar and you want to preserve those sugars after harvest. So note the days to maturity or days to harvest number on the seed packet or catalog description. That's the number of days after you plant the seed in warm soil that your first ears should be ready. Now, the larger the number of plants in your patch, the fuller those ears are going to be. So plant more next year. Now, when the correct number of days have passed, the tassels at the top are no longer dropping pollen and the silks are turning brown, select one of the largest ears. Gently pull back the husk until the first rows of kernels are exposed and pierce one of the kernels with your finger. If the fluid that comes out is milky white, it's time to begin harvesting. Now, only harvest sweet corn in the early morning when the air is cool and the sugars have concentrated overnight. Then refrigerate it immediately. No matter how well you grew it, sweet corn that warms up after picking will rapidly have its sugars turned to starch. Do not strip the husk off until the water is boiling and then steam that sweet corn for three to five minutes. Or even better, leave that husk on and grill the corn on your barbecue for five minutes, turning frequently. And only harvest as much as you need each day. Unharvested corn should keep its sweetness in the field for a good two weeks. Okay, now let's pick up the pace or we're going to be here till Downton Abbey comes back on again. Tomatoes, harvest on the first day of full ripeness or a few days before that. Tomatoes that are at least half colored up will finish ripening in a cool, dry spot indoors. But tomatoes left on the vine after they ripen will lose flavor rapidly. Harvest in the morning to get the best flavor, but don't refrigerate your tomatoes or put them in a sunny windowsill, okay? Sweet peppers. There is no such thing as a green pepper. All sweet peppers will ripen. The green peppers aren't even sweet, right? All sweet peppers will ripen to a final stage of red, yellow, orange, or a chocolatey brown. The flavor of ripe peppers will improve dramatically. Yeah, and they'll be sweet too. And their nutrition will improve, improve exponentially, exponentially improve. So be patient. Hot peppers will also ripen to a final color of red or black. I mean, you name it, they're all over the place. But hot peppers have a different flavor and heat intensity at each color stage. So go ahead and sample some when they're green, but leave the majority to fully ripen. Cukes and summer squash like zucchini, harvest when they're still small for best flavor and continued production. Remember, with these plants, if you can see it, you can eat it. Try to harvest in the morning, but not if you have to handle wet leaves. It's a tricky balance, but do your best. String beans, AKA green beans, harvest when they're small for best flavor and production also. If the seeds swell too big in their pods, the plants will stop producing. But do not pick when this plant is wet or it'll get all depressed and feign or actually contract illness. But also don't pick in the heat of a hot day. Try and wait for a cool day or evening when it's not wet. Watermelon. Terrifying! If you pick too early, you wasted a darn tasty fruit. You wait too late and it gets all mealy. So look for the yellow spot that develops where the melon sits on the ground. Basic yellow is good. Creamy yellow is better. 
A ripe melon should also feel heavy, and the tendril closest to the fruit should have turned brown. There's also a wrap test where you want the melon to sound more hollow than full. And believe it or not, there's an app for that. Well, that sure was a lot of information about how to have a happy harvest now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website, where you can read it over at your leisure or your leisure. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be YouBetYourGarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to pick my peppers green if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. You'll find all of this contact information, answers to hundreds of your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and our podcast. It's all at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Television and Radio in association with Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when a radioactive experiment in the Mojave Desert transformed him into a giant ant. Our musical director is Ken Queter. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is always cheerful, Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Northley. Check out her fine work and ponder lots of pretty pictures at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Eric Werner is handling the phone calls from an undisclosed location. Or maybe he's in the men's room. We're just not sure. Zach Attack Wisniewski is either in the house or out of it, but he probably can't be both. Our fearless leader, Tim Fallon, says, wait, wait a minute. You tell me they've been using the studio all this time? I thought that was McGrath's kitchen. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I'll need to use this TV kitchen and my one at home to cook up all the tomatoes I'll soon be saucing. So it may be a little steamy in here when I see you again next week. Hey, boy, where's the ball? Where's the ball? Ready? Go get it, boy. That's a good boy. Drop it. Drop it. Good boy. Good boy. Loyal partners. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org.